With the possible exception of drift netting, there's basically three ways to catch a fish. You can use bait. Then there's spinning with lures. It seems that fish, like humans, are attracted to shiny bits of metal. And finally, you can tie fur and feathers onto a hook in a way that imitates an insect and fish for trout with a fly. And that's what Rob and I like to do, because fly fishing is one of those infinity pastimes. You never quite understand how it works, but you know it does. But mainly we like it because it takes you places, and those places tend to be the most beautiful on earth. Dare to move. Last week was day to move, go fish. Um, this week is day to move, there's always a river somewhere. Um, one of my favourite TV shows growing up, two Australian clowns going around in the outback fly fishing, which is probably the only fishing that I'd like to actually do. But before we get onto the actual, actual sermon, Neil talked about this letter thing. Writing a letter. I might change. We good? We're writing a letter to our person or people that brought us closer to God to start with. And um, so I took on the challenge last week and I'm going to share it with you. And so please don't, um, I hope I don't embarrass myself, but we'll see how we go. Ready? All right. Strap yourselves in. Dear Mum and Dad, I'm writing to you today because Neil told me to. <laughs> no, I actually wrote that. And then I said, no, just kidding. I'm writing, writing to you today because at Refresh, we're given the challenge to write a letter to the people that influenced us to become a follower of Jesus. In my case, it was both of you. Growing up, taking my brother Tim and I to church, we grew up as individuals, but we also grew together as a family. Yes, we didn't get along most of the time, or sometimes, probably more most of the time. But looking back on our family, and looking at it now, there is no way that I would be where I am today without your help, and most importantly, God's help. You were committed to being there to help me along my own spiritual journey, to encourage me to figure it out for myself. I remember that you're always there in our little children's programs, dad telling stories, mum singing stupid little songs that get in your head and then stay in your head for the rest of the day. Um, you were there when we did Adventurers, which is like a mini um, Club Scouts type stuff. Well, you were there through all of Pathfinders. And it was these moments that you showed us what it was, or showed me what it was to serve in your local church. To not focus on ourselves, but help others in their journey closer to their saviour. You did this 
by leading with your actions. As I've grown up over the years, you've always been there with a laugh and, and a advice when things are not going not so good. Even this week, you have offered to share in the enjoyment when FPR won their second time in a row Bathurst crown. You were there on the other end of the phone to offer some advice when Jared Hayne left the Mighty Eels and decided to take up a career in the NFL. It's times like these, the little times like these, that connected us together. All these things added together showed me a glimpse of what a father's love is, a mother's love is. It showed us, me and my brother, what it would be like to experience unconditional love. And then I've cheated a little bit. I've changed, I've changed tact and I've moved on in my little journey. And it's, I've said, as I've grown up, there have been some other people in my life that have made significant changes to who I was or gave me examples of who I was. Murray, Richie, and Sean. These three guys, um, and gave a whole heap of people like me, opportunities to grow, opportunities to use our talents, opportunities that no one else saw in us. They gave us the knowledge and understanding of how things work, how, how to organise stuff, how to plan things, and most of all, how to lead people to Christ. And lastly, and I'm glad he's out of the room, Lastly, Neil, over the last two years, he and I have been on a journey together. He and I think a lot alike, and we're very similar. And um, he's taught me a huge amount about my relationship with God and how to serve in a community. So all those people together is part of my letter. It is my letter. And then the more I reflected upon it, and this is what Neil was getting at last week, the more I reflected upon who has made an influence in my life is the more I wanted to pass the mantle on. And so I signed off the letter just saying, thank you. That's all I can say. You see, different stages in life require different influences on your life. You've got the initial, the initial sort of cast, I guess, if we're going to go fishing analogy. Initial cast, and you start to reel them in. And then you might need someone to go grab the net, and you put the fish in the net. But then you still need someone to take that photo when you're holding up the fish. That's the best way I thought of it. And then if you're Rex Hunt, you give her a big kiss and send her on away. Here at Refresh, our vision statement is growing followers of Christ. We spent hours working out that word growing because when someone's growing, it doesn't matter where you are on the scale, you're still growing. You could have think, well, you think to yourself, yep, I've made it, but potentially you've still got a long way to grow. If you've just been introduced to this whole church, this whole Jesus thing, you might be way down this end of the scale. You've still got opportunity to grow. If you're in the middle of the scale right here, you can grow. No matter where you are along that scale, you've got opportunity to grow. And that's kind of what we're talking about here with the day to move thing. The significant people in our lives that as we progress along this scale, where they've come into it. 
reflecting on your own journey. Um, quite a few summers back, and I've talked about summer camps quite a few times, and um, we did about, I think it was eight or nine summers in a row, and it's a whole month of just summer camps. And this one in particular, I can't remember which one it is, they're all blending all together now. But there was a moment, it was back when we used to do the night meetings in a tent on the Oval. So it was a while back. And we used to sleep in the shed, and the, up the top had just been finished, I think. And we'd just finished the night meetings, we'd just packed up, it was just a normal weekday night. The kids had gone up to the top, and it was just a basic group of us that were called auxiliary staff in this tent. And so everyone goes, right, oh, we've, we've cleaned up, we've straightened up the t uh, seats, we've tidied up, we've covered everything we need to cover. Let's go back up to, the, up to the shed or up to the cabins. And so everyone, I volunteered, I said, I'm going to walk up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend some time with myself because after a month of living with teenagers, juniors, whoever else, the other staff and everything, you feel like you need some you time. So that's what I did. I, I walked up, but I went the long way. Instead of just cutting up past the barn, we went around, I went around um, the long way. Halfway across the oval, so 20 metres from my starting point, I had a moment. 20 metres from my starting point, halfway across the oval, all the lights had been switched off, I looked up. It's one of those moments where you are used to being in the city, and it's like that Madagascar movie when the guy goes, oh, look at the star, it's out tonight, and then, no, it's a helicopter. We live in the city, and we don't often see the heavens for what they really are. And so when I looked up in the middle of this oval, in the middle of nowhere, I could see everything. And it was one of those moments, and the weirdest Bible text came to me, and it's my favourite Bible text now. And um, Brad, if you can click on the Titus Bible text, please. Titus 3, verse 5. He saved us, not because of the works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. That Bible text came to my head. I've got no idea why. Still probably don't have no idea why, but this is my theory. Everything you need to know about the gospel is in that text. And it's very interesting that we called this church Refresh after a Bible text in Acts 3.19, which said something very similar. It said something very similar. And if you look at the last two words, we've got washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. That sounds like refreshing. I think that sounds like refreshing. And I was blown away by this moment. And so I went up to the top, didn't tell anyone about it. No one still knows about it, apart from you guys. And um, from then on, that summer camp experience changed for me. That summer camp experience changed. And the thing about it that changed the most was my point of view on who God was. So I want to challenge you with a question today, and that is... Who is the God you know? Who is the God you know? I had a conversation, and 
get to a lot of, do a lot of cool things in a job like I've got. We went out on Stormco, and I was having a conversation with one of the locals, and um, he said, oh, so you're a Christian, because the Stormco logo's got a dirty big cross on it. And he said, you're a Christian? I said, yep, yeah, I love my Lord, want to hear about it. And um, he goes, but Christianity and all that kind of stuff, is just a God of rules, isn't he? He's just a God that says, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this, you can't do that. You might be able to do that, but only a few times in a week and only on Tuesdays. And I said, nah, that's not the God I know. The God I know is this God that provides me with opportunities to talk to everyone that I come in contact with and share his love. The God I know revitalizes and refreshes and renews. So who's the God you know? Think about that for a second. Fishing. Waste of time. <laughs> I tell you, we, we just got one on the year 12 camp with um, up to 1770. And, and um, is Vardo here? Good. All right. <laughs> Vardos, um, Jaden Vardo, year 12 student, loves fishing. Loves <laughs> I don't know why. But anyway, he, he spent a good... Where's Tasker? He spent ages on the beach, didn't he? That's all he did every day. Yeah. Morning till bedtime. There it is, morning till bedtime. That's all he did. We walked... You'd go check on one group, walk along the beach to the other group, and here's Vardo sitting with a fishing rod. Yep. Caught anything? No. Nah. Keep trying. Don't have to try very hard. But... I've never understood fishing. It's not a sport. It's not. However, it does provide entertainment for the watcher. We, when I was growing up, we spent a lot of time camping and everything. As I said in my letter, Dad took us to Pathfinders and all this, but we spent a lot of time camping as a family. And um, we got our four-wheel drive, we went driving. Um, uh, Woodgate, anyone been camping at Woodgate along the beach there? Yeah, it's pretty cool. And um, so whenever you involve full drives, beach, water, something's got to go wrong. And um, we, being Toyota people, yeah, there we go. <laughs> being Toyota people, we, of course, made it through everything that we stuck the Toyota's nose at. And then um, a Pajero. Sorry, Pajero drivers. My brother's a Pajero driver now, and, yeah, we've disowned him. But... Um, we, um, this Pajero was coming up through the cutting. The cutting is an area that you use to drive through to get onto the beach, and it's always chopped up. And um, it's quite humorous to just set up a few um, camping chairs along the edge of that and just sit there and watch people come onto the beach. Because you get the numpties that don't know what they're doing and um, just get bogged. So here was this fisherman. I would have thought he's obviously a new fisherman. I would have thought he would have known how to do all this, and he got bogged. And um, we, we were sitting on the chairs watching him. And then we decided to go up and help him. And we got him out, and he went off to his campsite and started fishing. I'm going to pause that story there for a second. There it was another experience I had. So I'm going to split the story. Keep up. This is like an ad break. There was another experience I had. Ray, my, I grew up south side. We've been through this before. Bayside of the of, um, thing out near Cleveland. 
And Raby Bay, everyone that knows Raby Bay, it's just this massive estate that went up and it started sinking at one point, but they fixed it and it's all good now. But I was paddling my kayaks through the little estuaries there. Me and my brother, dad was there, a couple of other people were there. And we're paddling our kayaks through. And there was a little old mate, he would have, I don't know how old he was, but he was sitting on the, on the jetty doing his thing. And then just sitting. Anyway, and um, I decided to go have a look, see what he's doing, have a chat. Because we're in kayaks, that's what you can do. So we paddled up nice and close. I didn't realise that the, well, I did realise, but I didn't realise. The current was, I was paddling against the current, and the current washed his line closer to my kayak. And I was in a sea kayak with a rudder on the back. And so old mate thought he had the massivest fish ever. <laughs> and I was wondering why my rudder wasn't working. And so we were having this tug of war contest, and then we finally worked out what was going on. I was saying sorry, he was going, and I didn't know what to do. So that could be one of the reasons why I had a bad fishing experience. All right, back to full drive guy. Set up camp, and he was out fishing. It was a Saturday afternoon, and we decided to go for a walk as a family, and we're walking along. He pulled in a fish, a dart. I knew that. It's the, the only fish I know. It's a dart. And it's about, it sort of looks like a brim, I get. I've got no idea. Um, it looks like a fish. There we go. And um, he didn't have a bucket, so he just dumped it on the ground. And uh, Dad, being the wilderness warrior that he is, um, walks up, and he thought that the guy had put it on the ground because he was going to use it as bait or something. So Dad picks it up, walks it down the beach a bit more. Old mate's just fishing oblivious. Walks down the beach about 20 metres and puts it back in the ocean. <laughs> um, we, we were puzzled why this guy dumped this fish on the beach. We couldn't work it out. And then finally we worked out, oh, he didn't have a bucket. <laughs> and so he was keeping the fish, just we didn't, <laughs> we didn't realise. So Dad saved the day and let the fish go. So we, we found another way home. And, and there it was. I th and then I got thinking, maybe fishing on a boat was a bit better. And then I thought, no, you still got that waiting process. Yeah? But then I thought, what about if we changed the way we went out in a boat to go fishing? Let's see if we got that video clip, please, Brad. Might need to push play up on the little screen. Not going? That's all right. I'll, I'll talk it through. All right, the picture tells it that. This is a drag car that's taken its wheels off. They put a hull on the bottom of it. And um, the world record boat speed was broken yesterday. 422 kilometres per hour on water. Nitrous fueled. Oh, it's a beautiful thing. Um, the, the little rooster tail that this thing puts out is the size, I think they said, of a three-storey house. They're just crazy. Now, if you combine this with fishing, I'd be, I'd be a fisherman. <laughs> I, I'd sign up for life. But should it be that fishing's not for everyone? Should it be fishing's not for everyone? And it isn't. 
However, the fishing we're talking about can be. The fishing we're talking about can be. There's a pastor in the United States called Bill Hybels. He started up a church in a car park. And um, he's now got one of the highest members of a church in the States. And I think it's, I think it's up nudging around 40,000, 50,000. It's a lot of people. And um, he's written many books. And one of these books that he's written is Walk Across the Room, which is what we're talking about here, Dare to Move. And so I've been reading that to get material for this one. And he has a story in there that fits perfectly in what I'm trying to convey today. Bill's got his pilot license. And he was up flying with a mate. And the mate also had a pilot's license. And they're up there, and um, they're obviously going from Chicago, where Bill's based, over to somewhere. <laughs> Clearly. That's a dumb statement. <laughs> they're going over to somewhere. And Bill takes the plane off, and they're flying along, and they get the coordinates that they need, punch her into the autopilot, and then just sit there and have a chat. They've been doing this for years. And every, I think it's 15 minutes, they receive a notification from the towers, be it either one, giving them an update on their progress and what's around them. So here they are flying along on autopilot, time to talk. And as I said, he's been doing this for a while. This one night, excuse me, this one night, Bill said a little prayer and it said, Lord help me to reach out to this bloke, to my mate. We've been doing this for years. Nothing seems to be happening. Lord help me find the, find the way. And then just straight after the prayer, the tower clocks in and says, you are here. Um, there's other flights around you. Watch out for them or whatever they say. Um, watch out for the pelicans. I don't know. And um, Bill had a thought come into his head. Bill said, mate, probably didn't say mate, he's an American. <laughs> he said, would you fly without the help of the tower? Would you put it on autopilot and just cruise if you didn't have the help of the tower tuned in to your radio? And of course the answer was no. And then Bill goes, well, how's your life going? What's going on? So blah, 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 blah. And then Bill hit him between the eyes. Bill said, you know I'm a pastor. They've known each other for a while. Who are you plugged into? What are your things that you are plugged into? So I opened up with a question to you guys. Who is the God you know? The second question I want for you guys is, who are you plugged into? It's a fair question. When I was growing up, as we've all I've told along the way, I had a ADD streak. And um, mum tried to entertain me whenever we'd go shopping, because I love shopping, just ask Courtney. And um, we were walking through Kmart. And we're walking through the lamp section. And I didn't break anything. I swear, it wasn't me. But we're walking along, and I was just touching every lamp. And then I got distracted by the touch lamp for a while because it went on and off while I was touching it. <laughs> but then I came to a lamp that didn't have a bulb in it. 
And I thought, well, that's interesting. I wonder if it's on. I couldn't find a switch. And I was staring at it going, nah, they wouldn't. They wouldn't leave it on without a bulb in it. So I got my finger, index finger, this one, same finger. And I put my finger down into the, what are they called? I don't know, light bulb thing. Zapper. That's what it did. I, I somehow combined the two little node things that go on the end of a light bulb and whooshka, off I went. It, it was bizarre. I've never felt anything like it. Apart from, all right, sidetrack story. Tim and I used to like, play gags on each other a lot of the time and um, we, we were doing the mowing and um, I was... I was the mower at the time, and I said, oh, Tim, I don't know, I think the spark plug's working. Can you just grab onto that for me? As he did, I ripped up the cord, and he had the same experience that I did. But at that moment, I worked out that the lamp was plugged in. <laughs> I worked out that the lamp was plugged into a source that gave it life. Um... Before being chaplain at BAC, I was IT nerd. And um, I loved getting phone calls. I was based at the high school. I loved getting phone calls from the primary school. And if anyone's seen the IT crowd, the, or the IT crowd, where the guy says, have you tried turning it on and off again? Yeah, it's true. That's what you, all you feel like saying to, to people that ring up with IT problems. Anyway, this lady was adamant that the computer wasn't working. And so I got up out of, out of the office, out of logging all my jobs for the day, and I walked over to the BAC library in the primary school. And I walked into her office, and I said, what's wrong? And she goes, it's not working. It's not working. I, I came in this morning, yesterday it was working, I came in this morning, it's not working. The screen's black, um, yeah. And I went, righto. And you know, you do the usuals, hit the keyboard, see if you get a reaction, or a beep or something, move the mouse around, Right, nothing was happening. I stuck my head under the desk. Lying there on the ground was the power cable. That was it. Solved a problem. That was a good 10 minute walk. But I plugged it in and away she went, like an old Pentium 100. Lots of noise, lots of fans, but away it went. As soon as I plugged it in, it fired up. As soon as I plugged it into the power source, it fired up. The recommendation is that if we go fishing with what we're talking about now, we need to be plugged into something. What are you plugged into? What do you spend your time doing? What are the, some things that are distracting you from God? In the book of Matthew, and this is the only account of this story or parable in the Bible. The book of Matthew, chapter 13, we find Jesus talking to the disciples because they didn't just quite get what was going on. And so here we have Jesus talking to the disciples, and I'll just read it to you because it's the best way to do it. Otherwise, you get my version, which probably isn't correct. But I started talking about this sermon um, earlier in the year. And it was when Peter was called to be a disciple. And I talked about when Jesus approached Peter and said, can I use your boat to stand in while I deliver this sermon? Well, this sermon is the sermon he delivered. 
Um, that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered around him, so that he got into the boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. He told them many things in parables, saying, here we go, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path. And the birds came and devoured them. After the seeds fell on the rocky ground, uh, uh, sorry, other seeds fell on the rocky ground, where they, where they did, hang on, there we go, where they um, did, not much, had not much, wow, I'm just going to start again, no, um, other seeds fell on the rocky ground, where they did, is that, thanks Keith, where they did not have much soil. And immediately sprang up since they had no depth of soil. Thanks, mate. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns. And the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on the good soil and produced good grain. Some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Despite my bumbling, I probably could have told it myself and I wouldn't have stumbled. And you guys wouldn't have known I can't read. It's all right. A lot of people focus on this story a little bit differently to what Bill Hybels does. It's a very interesting way that he does. A lot of people, we fo- and when we read this, we focus on the sower. And, the, and we break it down. So the sower's there and the way they used to sow was they had a basket, put the hand in and just throw it. Just like that. And, and we focus on the different types of people that, might it, um, that the soil represents. We've got the, the path. People might listen for a second type stuff. You've got, you got the rocks. It might go in a little bit, but it doesn't go in, blah, blah, blah. It dies in the end. You've got the, the thorns. Yeah, a little bit more, but it eventually gets choked out and dies still. And then you get the good soil. The soil that this thing just shoots up like it's on steroids and then they have the richest harvest they've ever had. And then you've got the sower. The sower is the one that's throwing out all the seed. And you can sort of just imagine the disciples thinking, all right, that's another story. Let's see if we can piece this thing together. We've got the sower, we've got the seed, different types of people and stuff. But the ratio of the good seed is really low. When you think about it, one in four, a quarter of your seed, one-fourth of your seed goes into the good soil. And, and you can just picture the disciples going, well, that's not good. Because you want the most, uh, most of your seed in that good soil. Most of your seed in that good soil. Because that's where you benefit mostly f- from it. In our lives, we get the message of who God is in our lives. We, we come to church, we... We talk to other people about it. We plug into the right source. We have, we have the gift of the Holy Spirit that comes. You plug into the right source. You've got it all sorted. You start to sow what you know. 
Sometimes it may fall on the path. Sometimes it may fall on the rock. Sometimes in the thorns. But the time that it hits the good soil, look out. But you can sort of see the disciples here going, we're doing all this, we're doing it, but that one-fourth that just makes it is brilliant. But what about the rest of them? What about the other three? What about the path? What about the thorns? What about the rocks? What about them? They don't seem to get it. You know what the answer is? The answer that is here, Jesus gives in the last line. He who has ears, let him hear. In other words, if they've got ears, have a crack. Have a go. Get into it. The thing about it is, you get some people that reject it immediately, what we try and tell them. You get, you get some people that, yeah, no. And then you get the next people that it sort of roots a bit. It sort of digs in. And then they still grow up, but they get choked. But sometimes, this is where the odds even up, sometimes throughout all these things, the birds take the seed away. And we all know that when birds take the seed away and eat it, they obviously have to do the digestive thing, but then they defecate somewhere else, whatever the word is. And, and all of a sudden, you might get a plant up there. When, when the rocks, it grows quickly, but then it withers, it's scorched, that root is still there. And some plants, I'm not saying wheat, some plants, some plants, all they need is a little, little root in the, in the sand, in the, in the dirt. And just a little bit of water, and up it'll shoot again. Weeds, for an example. <laughs> Thorns. These ones live for a little bit longer. And as they grow up, they still reach maturity. They still reach maturity. But then they slowly get choked. They slowly get outmoved. And, and it doesn't say this, but I imagine it that there's still seed heads on top of what's growing. But you can't do anything with it because the weeds are mixed with it. But those seed heads, all of a sudden, still wilt. They drop to the ground. And what comes up again? Another batch of wheat. All throughout this story, if you look at it a bit deeper, there are opportunities that are provided. You've got the, the path, the rocks, the thorns. There are opportunities that are provided in this story to those people. And our goal is to get them to the good soil. Once you got them in the good soil, plants grow, but then they produce more plants. Once they produce more plants, more plants, more plants, more plants, more plants. The people that only received it on the path might get another crack at it. The people that received it on the rocks might get another crack at it. The people that received it at the thorns might get another crack because there's so many people being influenced by the harvest that we had from the good soil. Seven places of separation. Everyone heard about that? Seven, six, one of them. In Adventist circles, it's like two. We, we know a lot of people. We're connected to a lot of people. Whenever you go anywhere and you know someone, oh yeah, I know him, he goes there, and that connection, done. What we want to try and do is break it. What we want to try and do is have a harvest so big that we go out, and it's, and it's 
spreading out all over the joint. Once that's done, the ultimate harvest is there. Throughout my letter, throughout my life, I've had plenty of opportunities to do this, and I kick myself every day. There were times that I thought, that is an opportunity, but I missed it. And I quite often think of um, different reasons why I didn't. I try and make excuses why I didn't. And, and sometimes I may not act like it, but I'm actually quite an introverted person. And, and I do get quite shy in new groups of people. But other days, I don't know, there's something else that I'm quite bold with what I do. And um, particularly when I'm on, on a mission like a storm co or something like that, I've got no qualms in going up to anyone and ta- talking about this kind of stuff. And I, I know where it comes from. It's that plugging in that is the secret. I challenge you to do that leather thing. I challenge you to do that letter thing because it puts you back into what, who led you, who helped you. But then it also puts in context, where you are now, what you're plugged into. And then you start asking the questions, well, I've got that. What are we going to do about it? My last little bit, and I'm, I'm going to read it because I've pinched it from someone. If you do this, if you, if you sow, fly, do your fly thing or fish or whatever you do, whatever you want to link it to, we challenge you to go, sow, cast your fly, leave your comfort because what you do can be eternally significant. Risk your life for this. And know that you'll never regret your decision. The times that I did have the guts to talk about it, I love every moment of it, every time I reflect on it. And I see people sitting in churches, I see people, emails come through going, guess what happened today? I got a little bit closer. Your heart just bursts. And you just, you get those chilly things on the back of your neck. And to quote a river somewhere, if you do this, you'll go to some of the most beautiful places you've ever been. Let's pray. Father God, I hope what I've said makes sense. Um, we've been struggling with this, this topic over the last couple of weeks and we're, we just pray that this is your topic. We ask you to um, work on the hearts and minds of people we come in contact with. And Lord, I ask a special blessing on on the people here at Refresh today as they contemplate who they're plugged into, as they contemplate who or how they define who you are. And Lord, most of all, I just pray with these guys as they come in contact with people from the community and may they share a little bit of themselves and most of all, a little bit of your love with the people that they meet. Lord, we love you heaps. We can't wait to see you. In your name, amen.